Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Hello, everyone. This is Don Griffith, your podcast host for Grand Canyon Echoes. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Karen Hewitt. Hi, Karen. Hello, Don. Tell us about your role in Toastmasters this year. Ooh, what a fun question. This year, I am the Program Quality Director for District 3. It's really something that gets me excited because it's about training and serving our members and helping them get the most about their experience as a Toastmaster. It's really the opportunity I'm the most excited about. It's about training and giving our members the opportunities to grow and expand their horizons giving them tools and just what they need for the reason they joined Toastmasters. This isn't about getting them in the door. They're already here. This is about how can we serve them so they get out of it what they expected. Speaking of that, why did you join Toastmasters? (laughs) Oh, I joined Toastmasters because I was terrified. I was, oh my gosh, I was so scared. I wouldn't even speak to somebody in a conversation. Forget getting on stage. That was never going to happen. I walked into a room and if there was more than two people, I wanted the room to swallow me whole or to run out or find an excuse to leave. It just wasn't comfortable for me. But I knew I had a story to tell. I knew I had a purpose in life. And there was only one way I could fulfill that purpose, and that was to learn to tell the story. Where else do you go for storytelling but Toastmasters, right? And they've helped me break that comfort zone in a very authentic way so I can help others. We'll get to that story later in the podcast because I'm keen to hear more. What else have you been doing in the last several years of Toastmasters? What are some of the steps you've taken? It it sounds like you've overcome that extreme shyness or reluctance to engage in a conversation. How long did it take for you to get more comfortable speaking? Well, I'm going to say it's one club's fault that I managed to overcome. They were so welcoming, so kind and so gentle with me that if I had joined a different club I don't know if I would have had the same experience and that is walkie talkies they are a very loving club and I've only been a Toastmaster for four years and gave my icebreaker and they were like are you sure you need to learn how to speak in public you did such a good job And they encouraged me to go for competition for the international contest. I was a little shocked when I won at the club level. I was really shocked when I won at the area level. And then I believe I actually won at the division, but I had another engagement to take me out of town, so I couldn't compete at the district level. And that was when I realized I had a story because when I spoke, it was Robert Bush who was presiding over the contest. I had several people come up to me and say, 
I didn't realize that's what happened. Or my mother was in, one gentleman said, my mother was in the same situation. Thank you. Thank you for letting people know it's not one-sided. And it was at that moment I realized that the power to tell my story really did impact others and help them. And then I accidentally kind of got forced into the leadership. (laughs) (laughs) And we know how slippery that slope is. So I left the competition speaking behind. I did that in my first year. And I dove straight into area director and went area director division, club growth, and now program quality. But while I was in area and division, I was also serving on probably eight or nine committees in the district at the same time. I kept busy. Now, are you willing to uh, confess to me whether you still get those fears or those anxieties? Everyone does. Everyone gets the butterflies. Everyone gets those moments where they think, I can't do this. Maybe this isn't for me. I'm not strong enough. And then you get off the stage or get off the podcast and go, oh my God, I can breathe again. (laughs) Takes you a few minutes and then you realize you accomplish something. If you are not getting the butterflies, if you are not getting those moments, your story's not powerful enough. Use those as a reason to speak, not a reason to keep you from speaking. Great advice. Now, I understand that you are a relatively new member of the District 3 Speakers Bureau. Yes. Tell us about the Speakers Bureau. I joined Toastmasters to become a professional speaker. As I've said, I've had a story. I didn't know Speakers Bureau even existed until last year. And with everything going on, I wanted to really hone my craft a little bit more and get a few professional speaking projects under my belt before I joined the Speakers Bureau. And Speakers Bureau falls under the program quality role. And I knew Steve was the right person to run it. He is an exceptional speaker and very knowledgeable. And first thing he said to me when I offered it him after he said yes, he says, and you're joining, right? Okay. I've heard you speak. You're joining, right? (laughs) Okay. Yes, I am. What can I do to help? And I've been going to all the meetings. I love it. I love the advice. I love how it's different. It's not the same as a Toastmasters club. We're talking what it takes to take your craft that you're honing in your clubs, turn it into 45-minute presentations and still be seamless and authentic. That's the key word. If you're not authentic... It's going to be harder. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Steve. That would be Steve Feld. For those of you listening, wondering who Steve is, some of you have listened to the other podcast and you've heard Steve's own take on, on the Speakers Bureau. It's very interesting. I know that the Speakers Bureau this year has a couple of layers to it, a number of tiers. There are some truly professional speakers involved. There are folks who have done speaking engagements, but not necessarily for pay. And then there are members who 
are thinking about that whole process, maybe have that in their in their list of things they want to do, but they don't know enough yet, or they don't think they know enough yet. Um, do you see that as a, a helpful uh, model for our members? Oh my goodness, yes, yes, I do. We are Toastmasters primarily for one reason. We want to learn and grow. If Speakers Bureau is set up so only the best can be a member and the doors are closed to everyone else, no one's going to aspire to it. So what we did is we threw open the doors and said, yes, we have people that are Speakers Bureau professional speakers. We have people who are a little bit more comfortable in the middle. You want to learn how? Great. Let's teach you. We're going to teach you things that you may not learn in the clubs. And one day we hope to see you at that top end professional level. We are truly modeling it after the the core of Toastmasters, which is growth. If we forget that growth model, why are we even trying now, for those who are at that professional end of this, this spectrum, what do they get out of Speakers Bureau? Myself, I am in that professional end of the Speakers Bureau. I've been an ongoing applicant for TED Fellows, which is not a TEDx, but the full stage. So for me, it's not about going and speaking to a room of 10 or 20 people. My largest audience has had over 1,400 people in it as a professional level speaker. What Speaker Bureau gives those on that end of the speaking spectrum support, an opportunity to represent District 3 on multiple occasions, It gives us the opportunity to mentor up-and-coming speakers to help them step into their own craft. And it gives us an opportunity to really practice and hone in those keynote speeches and presentations. You know, if you're a club member, it's a little difficult to say, by the way, I need to practice a 55-minute speech. Oh, I know the meaning's only 59 minutes, but... (laughs) We can do two table topics, (laughs) But this gives you the opportunity to really work on those longer crafted speeches, as well as if you're in Pathways and it says keynote speech at 45 minutes, Speakers Bureau helps you find a place to give that. We have a lot of outside organizations that contact our Speakers Bureau chair, and we get to go speak to those, getting the experience, which, talking on a professional level, it helps us craft to our speakers real help us craft to our one sheet, our bio sheets, our experience sheets, our social media proofing, all things that help us become either accredited or a more hireable speaker. And at the same time, we get to say, by the way, did you realize you should have a Toastmasters club in this organization? I bet it would help you. You mentioned accredited. Toastmasters does have an accredited speaker program, and this is not what you're talking about. Is that correct? We're not talking about accredited speaker. We're talking about Speakers Bureau, which is a different thing. We are talking about both. 
because one of the passions in Speakers Bureau this year is that if we have somebody that is wanting to go on that accredited speakers path, we are going to offer them the support, the feedback, help them craft everything to set themselves up into the best possible place. It's not, oh, you're a professional speaker, you have to go for this path. But if they want to, we want to support them. I mean, really, how awesome would it be if we had an accredited speaker from District 3? I mean, that'd be quite a cap, you know, feather in our cap. Right. For those of you who are not familiar with that program, it is intended for professional speakers who have demonstrated this with a very complete resume of paid presentations. Um, they do a very um, elaborate set of speeches before juries who judge them on that, on those criteria. And at the international convention every year, they have those that have made it through the process give their final, it's almost like a PhD defending your thesis kind of level. And if you meet the goals, you are an accredited speaker. And I don't know what the exact numbers are, but there are probably fewer than 100 accredited Toastmaster speakers in the world. The last time I looked, I believe there was 106 okay. in the world, and we have two speakers are pursuing the accredited speaker goal this year at the annual convention from, like I said, worldwide, two speakers. So it is a very audacious goal. But who are we to say no to someone who wants to run for exactly. it? Exactly. That's a good goal. Big audacious goals are good. Especially if you've got the drive, you've got the desire to meet that next challenge. Many people, though, after they get that first DTM, they go, well, gee, what's next? Well, there's a lot next. There's a lot more to do, folks. So Speakers Bureau for you is an opportunity both to improve yourself and teach those who are trying to reach that level. Yes. So you're giving back. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You talked about that first year of Toastmasters, you were in the speaking competition and you had the winning speech at the division. Would you be able and willing to recreate that speech for us? Oh my goodness. It doesn't have to be perfect. We're not timing you. We're not going to be judging you, but I want to hear this story that you turned into a, a winning competition speech? It started with me trying to think of something that people could relate to. And as I'm giving my presentation in the club, something snapped inside me and I didn't give the presentation I rehearsed. I went down an extremely vulnerable and raw path. And it was the reason I joined Toastmasters. If you know me personally and you've had a conversation with me and you found out about my history, you may know that I am a survivor of extreme domestic violence. My ex-husband almost murdered me on four separate occasions and it was a very intense time in my life. 
And you think, you know, once someone gets out, everything's roses and you're perfect. However, the therapists, the people that were supposed to support me and my friends and some of my family members afterwards actually caused more harm than he did. I started my presentation talking about my kids having nightmares and monsters under the bed. I mean, we've all heard the kids story about the monsters under the bed. And I made this silly monster spray for my daughter. She had this elaborate design on it. I mean, the the monster was hairy and purple and smelled like bacon. Bacon. (laughs) Bacon. (laughs) So what I did is I took a Febreze bottle and I peeled off all the stickers and I did a little glitter to it and put monster spray on it. And I'm telling this like really funny, lighthearted story about scaring the monsters from under the bed. And then I was like, but when you're more afraid of the monster in the room than the monster under the bed, and you would rather fight an imaginary monster than the real monster, that's when things get painful. And I spoke about the one question that I got so many times that was the most painful question. And this one question we ask, we ask it of a lot of people who survived this kind of abuse. And you know that you're re-traumatizing them every time you say it. Any guesses what that question is, Don? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? So it was my fault that you hit me because I didn't leave. I could have stopped it all if I'd left. (laughs) And I spoke about how it never starts. It's not like I went on a first date with him and all of a sudden it's like smack, smack, smack. By the way, you're going to do as I say from now on. It was a fairy tale marriage. He opened doors for me. He surprised me with flowers. He was a Southern American gentleman, you know, complete with the cowboy hat and the drawl and (laughs) everyone around me thought he was this perfect person. And I told the story about it started with what I now call positive control. And positive control is he would see me get dressed up for a date because we had date nights. I mean, we were a young married couple. We were newlyweds. And he'd be like, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, I love that dress. You look so amazing. Now, everyone's thinking, oh, I would love it if my husband said that. You know, I would love it if my wife said I'd look dashing tonight. Right? We like compliments. Then when it goes, a couple of weeks later, oh, why don't you go put that dress you wore when we went to this place? You look so beautiful in it. You want to make him, well, he said I'd look you. I'm going to go put that dress on you all giggly and like (laughs) without you realizing they're controlling what you wear how you do your hair how you do your makeup what you eat your schedule where you go who you speak to because they start positively I can't remember my exact speech but that's what I spoke about I spoke about the system of control that for some reason people think it's just like monster spray. Why didn't you leave? You can just spray the water and go, oh, I'm out. (laughs) 
I can't tell you how many people, well, the first time he hit me, I would have been out of there. By that time, you believe that you are this horrible person that deserved it, that you brought it on yourself, that you caused this pain and suffering. And they were so sorry and so apologetic. It was just a one-off and it would never, ever, ever happen again. And that's why I joined Toastmasters. Too many people put the blame on the victim. You can look at it in many different things, not just domestic violence. Well, if she hadn't have been wearing that, well, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. No. Why did they do that to them? As a society, we need to stop victim blaming. Even though we don't think we are, and that's why I joined and I have given many presentations with domestic violence organizations since. It is one of the reasons I'm constantly asked to resubmit into the TED Fellows program for my chance to speak on the actual red stage, not just the TEDx stages. Because it's a story that we hear, but we don't listen to. And by sharing it, I just hope that one person, if they hear something happen to someone, they're not going to say, well, why didn't you leave? Tell them, oh my goodness, you went through an ordeal. How can I support you? What can I do to help? If you know someone in the situation, don't go, oh my gosh, you should leave him. You know, wow, you're in a tough spot. What can I do to help? Because they're not going to leave until they're ready. And all you're doing by pushing the question and pushing the point, you're actually taking yourself out as a resource for that person. (laughs) I still get kind of emotional about it because it is a very large part of my life. And it is still very honest and true to me. And I can still see myself in those situations. And in fact, I sometimes, even now, and I know there's a lot of people out there that they don't want to tell the story because they're scared to tell their story. They're afraid of the trauma. They're afraid of how people's opinions will impact them. I will still go into places and I look for my exit points. I always have my back to a wall. I still get nervous. If someone's a little loud and... (laughs) strong, shall we say, they make me shy back a little bit. And I was terrified to speak about it. Because at that point, I still believed it was my fault. I share this so that other people can go, you know, I've been through something. And what my mother had told me, and I joined Toastmasters just a few months after she passed away. She had one thing she kept telling me. And it just stayed true to me. Maybe you went through it because someone else wouldn't have survived. Now, what can you do with that that experience you had to help other people? You have two choices. You can take an experience and try and forget it happened. Or you can take an experience and turn it into a way to help other people. 
The second choice is a bit more painful. I'm going to tell you. But it's the most rewarding. The emails I get. The Facebook messages I still get. Tell me that I did the right thing choosing to speak about it. I've had messages saying I'm not ready to go yet. But I know I can when it's my time. Or I thought this was my fault. Maybe it wasn't. I've had emails and messages saying, I saw you speak seven months ago. By the way, I now live in a new city. And I'm not scared to come home anymore. Yeah. That's what does it. And even if you get some of the other kinds of messages, the ones that are negative, and I have no doubt that you do, you can rest on the knowledge that those positive reachbacks to you, it's all worth it. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Well, that is a story that needs to be told. And who better than someone who's lived it? It's not an academic exercise. It's not something you read in a, in a sociology handbook. It's a real-life event. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you very much for sharing that. I know that just you, the folks listening cannot see your face, but watching the parade of of emotions go across your face as you're telling me this story, pain, un, uncertainty, triumph, all of that. When you get up and speak, people will see that as well as hear that. Couldn't have done it without Toastmasters. Yeah. <laughs> Advice for people listening, Toastmasters or not, do you have any advice for them? I have so much advice. <laughs> These are a few things that I live by, and I want other people to take them in. And if you can make these part of your daily life, this will improve it. There are two types of people that will impact your life. You have those that will mentor you, encourage you, guide you, show you love and compassion. Embrace that. They're there for the right reasons and they want to love you, help you, and see you grow and succeed. Then you have those people that are not so nice. They may be trying to cut you down, outright hating on you, telling you you can't. That is their perception, not yours. That is their reality and not yours. So you can either choose to believe the people that want to be there for the right reasons or the people who may be having a bad day. Choose the ones that are there for the right reasons. Another piece of advice I'd give is we all have stories, no matter how boring we think our lives are, <laughs> we've all had something that we've gone through, experienced, 
It may be small, it may be large. Someone out there will benefit from your story. Don't be afraid to share it. And for the Toastmasters in the room, a DTM, this is what one of my good friends, Rose Swearingen says, means destined to mentor. If you get your DTM just so you can have those three little letters on the end of your name, I'm sorry to say this, and you might not like me for this, but you got it for the wrong reasons. Having that is an opportunity for you to help other people. And I will stand by my first DTM. I did it to earn the privilege. My second happened accidentally because I was too busy helping other people. My third is about to happen the exact same way. It's all about helping other people grow. You can either be in this for yourself or for the betterment of those around you. When you choose the others, you grow as well. All right, everybody out there, if you're not a Toastmaster and you happen to be listening to this very interesting podcast, you know what to do. Or maybe you don't. How do I get started, Don? Go to www.toastmasters.org. And on that homepage for our organization is a friendly button that says, Find a Club. Fill it out. You can put in your location, your time of day that you like, the day of the week, and find a group near you. Call them or just visit. You never know what's going to happen. I remember Karen telling the story that when she got ready to join Toastmasters, she called 12 clubs. And only one actually returned her call. And it was the one that she was destined to need. And I don't think that's an accident. Do you? Oh, gosh, not at all. Having that club be the one that chose you and then supported you so well and guided you and gave you that first few steps towards telling that story to people who need it. That's one of the success stories in Toastmasters, folks. Everyone has a potential to do that. Karen, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for everything you've done and are doing this year in District 3. And I look forward to future years and future TED sessions where we go online and there she is, Karen Hewitt on the big stage standing in the big red circle. Thanks. Thank you so much, Don. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.